Hello, hello, and welcome to My Tennis Journey, where we aim to bring compelling tennis stories to life. As you're listening today, it'd be amazing if you could hit subscribe or follow. It's free, you know. So I'm really excited today to speak to a guest who has played a pivotal role in bringing Roger Federer, Rafa Nadal, Novak Djokovic and Andy Murray together to play in the same team for Team Europe. The Labour Cup is coming to London's O2 from Friday the 23rd of September to Sunday the 25th of September. And today I'm delighted to be joined by the CEO of the Labour Cup, Steve Zacks. I began by asking Steve if he was a tennis fan and a tennis player when he was young. Well, my dad loved all sports and he introduced me to tennis when I was very young. I grew up in New York City, so uh, I really played during the summer, but recreationally. And uh, But I just loved all sports and enjoyed going to them with my dad. So we would go to Forest Hills when I was young. And uh, it's funny, my first favorite player was Rod Laver. And, uh, but then shortly after Jimmy Connors and one of my great memories was uh, skipping school and going on a Monday with my dad. And we saw Jimmy Connors and Billie Jean King both win the finals on a Monday, 1974. Uh, but so I've always really enjoyed tennis. Hey, and that's education, isn't it? That's more, that's, that's a school of life, going to see that sort of uh, like quality tennis players, eh? That's right. There was, there was, uh, at that time, there was no uh, Ticketmaster or StubHub. Uh, we bought tickets from somebody on the street. Yeah, come on. Now, outside of tennis, going to watch the Ryder Cup is genuinely my favourite sporting experience. Um, we went over to the K Club in Ireland. I saw uh, Team Europe um, take on America. It was amazing because of the atmosphere, because of getting close to the players. I remember one of Team Europe was walking quite close to me and I caught his eye. I gave him a thumbs up and he was like, yes, you know. I mean, so I know that the Ryder Cup helped inspire the start of the Labour Cup, but, you know, was there a particular light bulb moment in the Ryder Cup for your good self that helped inspire it? Well, you know, just to be clear, uh, you know, the original idea for the Labour Cup came before I got involved. Um, you know, Tony Godsick, who's a uh, Labor Cup chairman, but also uh, the CEO of Team 8, uh, and Roger Federer wanted to do something to honor Rod Labor. And Roger, I think you've probably heard, he remarked that he could earn more in one day than Rod did in his entire career. And, and you know, to many, Rod was the greatest player ever. Um, he obviously won two calendar year Grand Slams. He had to give up some years of uh, Grand Slam competition to earn, a, to earn a living, helped pave the way for the, you know, the game to go open for the great growth that came. So, you know, the original, it started with just this, um, you know, sort of heartfelt goal. Can we do something for Rod? What can we do? And then one of uh, Tony and Roger's partners, who's a great fan of golf was the one who had the spark and said, Hey, there's really nothing like Ryder cup. 
in tennis, there's there's an opportunity there. And so it began, uh, you know, in terms of uh, my own involvement and any specific inspiration from the Ryder Cup, obviously we needed to make an event for tennis. We couldn't just copy the Ryder Cup, but, uh, you know, we benchmark all over the place and uh, people benchmark from us, of course. And so we we got uh, lots of ideas from the, the Ryder Cup. I mean, variety of things. We learned from how the, you know, the captain rolls and how they build a team during that short week that they're together. Um, you know, how they market, build affinity to uh, the two teams. So, um, you know, it's hard to pick just one thing, but what's certain is that we we couldn't just take the Ryder Cup. We had to, as you said, be inspired by it. Yeah, come on. I mean, you know, it's one thing for all of you guys and the, the, the various co-founders to, to have an idea it's a completely different thing to actually make that idea happen. You know, for, for all those budding entrepreneurs out there, Steve, how did you make it happen? It's a lot of fun to look back uh, at the five years. You know, clearly none of it would have been possible without Roger Federer, right? His involvement opens doors, garners trust. Uh, we could go on. Uh, but, you know, that's that's not all you need right uh you know we did have an incredible team i think uh, as i mentioned this wasn't a business that's not how it started it was really uh you know people who love tennis who wanted to make something great and uh, we had a clear vision very high aspirations long-term focus and experience resources contacts so we started we made great decisions. I think, um, you know, very early on, we said, what is this brand all about? And we knew that rivals becoming teammates was one of the key elements of this formula and that people would really be so excited if, for example, Roger and Rafa ever could be on the same team. And, you know, with our uh, advertising agency, we came up with this idea of Tennis Unrivaled. And it had that double meaning, which really guided us. One was rivals becoming teammates. And the other was that it would be unrivaled. It would be unlike anything you had seen. And so that became our guiding light. And you see that in everything um, in terms of the design of the arena, the black court, uh, the experience we give the players, um, you know, the, the setup of the arena, the, the benches that are right there on the court. Uh, some of the innovation and cameras. Uh, so, you know, the focus always is, hey, who are our customers and how do we make them want to do it again every year? So we had a very clear focus on that. And we had a team that was so experienced, they really understood each of these groups and, and we went after. I love how, you know, it was passion. It was the passion at the heart of the idea, not just a business concept, not making money or anything like that. And, and certainly, you know, on a, on a, on a, on a more localized level here, but when you get people passionate about things in the tennis world, they can make things happen. And, and that's, that's testament to what you guys have achieved. I think, I mean, moving on for those people who perhaps aren't as familiar with the labor cup, how does the format work, Steve? Sure. Six of the top male tennis players from Europe take on their counterparts from the rest of the world. They're led by legendary captains. Bjorn Borg, John McEnroe, 
for Europe and the world, respectively, in three days of singles and doubles competition. And, you know, the concept is that players that are rivals 51 weeks of the year become teammates. They participate in never-before-seen doubles com combinations, coach and cheer each other on from the sidelines. And we've got a unique scoring format, which includes third set match tie breaks that keeps it fast paced. It's routinely competitive right up to the end of the third day. Um, the Labor Cup takes place on our patented black court in an indoor arena, rotates to different bucket list cities each year. And as, as we said at the beginning, it's named in honor of Rod Laver, one of the greatest of all time, the only man to win the calendar Grand Slam twice. So it's tennis as you've never seen it before. It's tennis unrivaled. Tennis unrivaled. I love that as well. You know, just just from a, you know, I coach a lot of juniors and and you see that the, the players are at their happiest actually when they're not, you know, I have three children who compete, who compete against in individual tournaments. But when you put them in a team competition, we have something over here called uh, LTA County Cup where those players come together and it's special for them. It's some of their, their favorite times of the year is getting together with their friends to play rather than going head to head with these guys. Is that something you found with the players as well? That, you know, this tennis unrivaled bit is a big factor for why they enjoy the Labour Cup. Yeah, a couple things on that. First, at one of our first press conferences at the St. Regis in New York, when we announced that the first event would take place in Prague, I remember, you know, John McEnroe, you know, talking about how tennis is such a individual sport. You're usually out there by yourself and it's 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 great when you can team up. That's uh, something that's always stuck with me. And, I, and you hear that quite often. And then the other thing is we, we didn't know what would happen when the players got on the court that first time. Uh, you know, there was great anticipation. We had thought very hard about the competition format. Uh, all these things, the branding, the experience for everyone. But until they got out there, the question was always, would they compete hard? And we were thrilled. The second they got out there, once you put uh, these great athletes together as a team, uh, competing for a prize, um, you know, the, representing their teammates, uh, you know, they, they just went at it. And uh, it was so successful that first time and so exciting. People thought there was a script. They thought it was made up. <laughs> and uh you know so that was uh you know a real testament to the whole thing we were just we were amazed ourselves and uh the big question was would it happen again in chicago would was that just you know a lucky uh lightning strike and so i think chicago really proved that it worked and also a lot of the players who had seen it on tv that first time wanted to take part and uh sort of knew what it was all about when they came. They didn't have to sort of blaze that trail. They really had a path to follow. It was very exciting. Come on. Now, Ryder Cup-wise, Steve, you know, USA have done pretty well over the years. I was looking back at the record books. Labour Cup-wise, Team World, so everywhere but Europe, I think I'm right in saying they're yet to win. And the last time, I think I'm right in saying they lost 15 love, 15-0. Now, Steve... You're not a European. Does this wind you up? Well, look, we love, we love great competition. You know, as a um, 
tournament director, you can say, you don't go in rooting for any team. You just root for everyone to have a great time. You know, the first three Labor Cups were incredibly competitive on the scoreboard um, and came down to two of them came down to the final match. One of them came down to the third match on Sunday uh, with many of the matches going to match tie breaks. So it's been incredibly competitive. I think the format has really worked in that respect. And, uh, you know, obviously there's been great upsets and many things that have gone on. It's just so exciting. The last year, while the scoreboard was very imbalanced, six of the nine matches went to match tie breaks. It just so happened that Europe won five of the six and that resulted in a, you know, lopsided score. But uh, look, we're in regular contact with both the captains. They, they go after it every year with the goal to win. Uh, the format keeps it competitive and particularly, you know, these doubles combinations that don't regularly play on the tour, make it unpredictable. So, um, you know, we expect every year to there to be a good fight. You know, it's fascinating to hear on the match tiebreaks. I, uh, coming back to LTA County Cup, which is very popular over here, our county, Derbyshire, we went through, a, we lost a load of match tiebreaks when we had the most recent staging of the event. It was almost like psychologically, it's like, oh no, it's another match tiebreak coming up. Oh no. And it's like, do you think Johnny Mack, has he been researching? I wonder if he's been researching match tiebreaks and the psychology around them and stuff so that he can reverse it this time around. What I can tell you is, uh, you know, he takes it very seriously in terms of the team selection, the coaching, and he wants to win. So I know he'll do everything uh, he can strategically, motivationally to do so. So, I mean, I think one of the beauties of the event is that it, that it is kind of of dream team material. And we'll come on and talk about that from a European perspective. I know I know it's team world um, that we're looking at from a Labour Cup, but from a, a team USA, if it was a USA dream team, Steve, from current or past players, who would your dream team USA comprise of? Well... Look, I've got many favorites uh, from over the years, and the U.S. has had uh, incredible players. There's there's more than could fit in a team of six. Um, I'd have to start with McEnroe. I've, uh, obviously, our you know our captain, uh, but then uh, I would say Sampras, Agassi, Connors, Courier, and Roddick. And uh, you know, I would have loved to have include uh, Arthur Ashe. And maybe even Yvonne Lendl, who's now uh, U.S., though he played as a Czech. What a team that would be, eh? What a team. I mean, it's, um, it's, uh, it's, it's really interesting. Let's see how Team World do this time. I've got a little idea. I mean, it's the little things sometimes that pushes you over the line, isn't it? The little things that can make a difference. I've got a little idea of what my tennis journey can bring to the party because... Um, we've got a, a, a pupil. I've got a pupil called Charlie. He was he was really rushing his serve, um, and uh, so I said to him, "Why don't you do what John John Eisner does before he serves, where he puts it through his legs?" And uh, Charlie perfected it. He worked hard. He perfected it. He came back at his next lesson. He's like, "Look what I can do! Look what I can do!" And uh, we sent the video over to John, and uh, he replied on Twitter and he said, "I love it." And thank you for emulating me. And uh, he actually sent another tweet as well, which was so lovely. And uh, so Charlie's now a massive fan of John Eisner to the point, and I'll say this quietly, where 
he supported John in the match against Andy Murray. And uh, I was wondering if what we might need to like help push Team World over the line is get Charlie to do a little team talk for them. Uh, do you think that could be a goer, Steve? Um, you know, I can't uh, cross out anything. Uh, that might uh, be the, um, you know, the answer. I, you know who also does an incredible between the legs while he's uh, preparing to serve is Dennis Shapovalov. I think he's got some great stuff. It's quality, isn't it? Definitely. But we'll get we'll get Charlie to do another little team talk, and even if it's just a motivational message for him, it might it might really uh, might really be the trick. <laughs> Come on. Now, I mean, I know um, Nick Kyrgios has been a, a massive supporter of the Labour Cup. Um, but he can't make this year's event as, as he's spending time with his family. You know, would, would you expect Nick to be back playing for Team World in future Labour Cups? And, and I mean, Steve, what have you thought about Nick's performances at, at Wimbledon? And since Wimbledon, you know, pretty amazing, huh? Oh, my gosh. Well, everybody knows he's one of the, one of the great talents. So it's just so fantastic to see, uh, you know, the consistency of performance right now. He seems really, uh, you know, healthy, motivated, uh, you know, excited to be out there. So, um, you know, it's just great to see. Yeah. And you see, expect you might see him back next time around? As a tournament, uh, you know, we're crazy about Nick. He's been great for the Labor Cup. He's had some historic matches. Um, he's been, you know, uh, a big part of uh you know our history and uh you know he's been a, a real great champion proponent for the event so you know we're we're always we always welcome Nick. dream team wise it just makes me buzz it makes me smile thinking about it federer nadal djokovic murray all on the same team what an incredible lineup how on earth did the Labour Cup manage to get that, that, that lineup together, Steve? Like you said, it is a dream. And it's a dream that uh, we've always had. Uh, now, other than Andy, all have played uh, before, right? And uh, we actually had had this goal in the past, but it came together this year, even when we weren't trying to make it happen initially i think it's it's really due to the players themselves um it began in boston right at the end of the event rafa tweeted roger we weren't even expecting it and said hey wouldn't it be great if we played doubles in london and uh we were like hey is this real <laughs> and we reached out to um his team and yes it was he really wanted to do it so it's, it's a little bit like the Wizard of Oz. That started the journey. Obviously, we had Roger and Rafa ready. Bjorn Borg was up for it. Um, we were announcing the event. We reached out to Novak. He was number one. He, would, you know, he was in position for a guaranteed invitation based on his ranking. But he customarily likes to see how the year is going and what his plans are before he commits. So we agreed to announce the event. Uh, with Roger and Rafa and to stay in touch. And probably right around, not that much after Rafa uh, commented that he wanted to join Roger, Andy said he would like to, you know, I, I think the spirit was if I'm, you know, if I'm playing at, you know, my level, I'd love to do it too. And so we got in touch with Andy's team and 
as you know, he had, uh, you know, an incredible grass season. Yeah. Uh, you know, where, you know, he was really um, competing well. And so we talked to Bjorn about it and uh, Andy's team, and he decided to come on. And we made that agreement at that time. We announced Andy right in the middle of Wimbledon. Um, we had stayed in touch with Novak, let him know what was going on. And he just said, hey, can I wait until after Wimbledon and let you know? As we said, the, the invitation was open to him. Um, you know, he wanted to do it when he heard Andy was in. I think that was the, if I could say the cherry on top, but he was highly motivated to do it and then saw, you know, this is incredible for tennis. This is historic. And he was in. So, you know, the credit goes to the players. They really uh, lit that fire. And so uh, we couldn't be happier. I bet you couldn't. And I'm sure fans around the world couldn't be happier. You know, just so brilliant that these guys are going to be playing together as teammates. Just absolutely fantastic. The crazy thing is that we went on sale very early in the year. And so, you know, right now there are no tickets available, but we were nearly sold out by the time uh, Andy and uh, Novak were announced. So, you know, unfortunately there was, it created a whole lot of interest that we could not fulfill at that time. Now on the positive side, you know, some fans as always can't go or for whatever reason are, you know, uh, wanting to uh, transfer or sell their tickets. So if they go to accessaxs.com, they might find that some fans are, uh, you know, offering up their tickets. So. There'll be no shortage of people looking for any tickets that are available. I mean, just momentous to see those all, all guys all playing together. Um, and yeah, I know, I know. For example, my children. I mean, they're so excited about watching it on television as well, which is just—it's going to be—it's going to be amazing. Um, now, clearly, Roger uh, Federer is bringing a tremendous amount to the event as a player. Um, you know, but I always tell my pupils that tennis can give them life skills to succeed off the court, not just on it. You know, off the court, it's it's Roger's teammate are, of course, heavily, heavily involved in the Labour, Labour Cup. What do you see, Steve, as the main qualities that Roger brings to the Labour Cup in terms of his ongoing input? Roger has knowledge and experience, right, for many years on the tour and... Um... So we all, we all benefit from that. And he gets exposed. He gets exposed to things also that uh, many of us don't. So he's an incredible asset from the start. Um, you know, when we were creating the event, he was very involved in all the decisions, right? From the competition format, to how to take care of the players. He's seen so many events. He's lived them. Uh, so he's able to give us, you know, great, great advice. He's got it, uh, you know, he knows it from living it. Um, you know, now in our fifth year, we're not as dependent upon his input. We've, we've created this um, path or, you know, let's say expectation out there. And, you know, we continue to innovate and improve, but we're not in the creation mode. Um, he was in, incredibly, uh, incredibly valuable there. And, you know, obviously when you're running an event, you know, with, um, 
let's just say a founder like Roger or even some of our other founders, obviously, you know, they've all um, got an incredible track record and all of our team is just very focused on executing at the highest level, uh, you know, and maintaining, um, you know, that, uh, that brand, that quality, that expectation, that, uh, and trust that all of them have earned. Yeah. Now, those who are lucky enough to have tickets, Steve, who are coming along to the, the Labour Cup at the O2, what can they expect? Each year is different, like as a function of the players, as well as uh, the city and the venue, right? But the competition format doesn't change. So it's a new, it's a new chapter in that respect. You know, you've got incredible players, fan favorites competing as teams you know, with the goal of winning. So, I mean, I think that's one of the beauties of tennis is you put these great players out on the, the floor and you never know what's going to happen. So, you know, if you say, what can they expect? I don't know. Uh, the, you know, we do have some great things going on in London. Um, we will have a fan zone in front of the O2. The practice court will be out there. They can see the players getting ready. Um, other sponsor and other activations out there. We will have a practice day for charity that uh, fans who don't have tickets to the event itself will still be able to see the players. So that'll be a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, so it is, it's always a bit of a mystery, but it's always great. Come on now. I mean, this one's a tricky question, but if you could describe in one sentence why the people of London, the, the people of, of Britain should be excited about the Labour Cup, Steve, what would you say? How about I tell you what people tell us after they go for the first time, which is you just got to see it. You just got to see it. Tennis unrivaled. You've just got to see it. Um, Steve, when you look back, I mean, you know, when you look back and at what's been achieved with the Labour Cup so far. You know, what makes you really happy? What makes you smile? I think for all of us, it's, it's really gratifying to create something and, to, you know, have it so well received, um, you know, by the players, the fans, sponsors, broadcasters. Um, you know, you'd, we had no idea what to expect. So it's, so um, it's a great feeling. And obviously we went into this with a very long-term perspective. So uh, we wanted to create, you know, the equivalent of the Ryder Cup and that's been around a hundred years. Uh, people, you know, have to remember this is, we're just going into our fifth year of competition, but uh, you know, all the questions and interests, uh, you know, says that we've done something right. And obviously, um, you know, we'll continue to, you know, take the feedback and improve. Um, you know, we're very excited that, you know, based on our initial success, we were able to become part of the ATP tour and have that certification, which has been great, uh, has, you know, helped expose us to more fans, has brought us some of their services and marketing, um, you know, so that's uh, a great thing. And, you know, similarly, we've been able to showcase the players in an entirely new way, uh, give these players a great experience. Um, so 
we just uh, we went into it, like I said, with this mission to recognize Rod, do something great for the game. And, uh, you know, it feels good that we're we've been doing that so far. Come on. I mean, it's uh, there's a line in Back to the Future, actually, and it's uh, it says, if you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. And it's almost like what you guys have accomplished have shown that that's possible. It's like the next stage of that. Um, what, you know, moving forward, Steve, what, what are you excited about? Sure. So after London, we'll be going to Vancouver in 2023 and then Berlin in 2024. And we had 60 cities bid to host future Labor Cups. So shortly we'll be awarding 2025 and 2026. And, uh, you know, we'll see where we go from there. But it's, it's, a, it's an exciting journey. We all love it. So, Steve, just before we come to the final question, uh, which is one we ask everybody, but before we get there, I can't help but notice, whilst most people are going to be listening to this on video, you've got a very cool Labour Cup top for, for the people who are going to be lucky enough to come down to the O2. Are they going to be able to get their hands on one a bit like that? Well, this particular one that I'm wearing is for staff, but I can tell you that Uniqlo will have some special edition hats and t-shirts that you can only get at the labor cup. We've got some other exciting things too. Um, we'll have, we have special edition sneakers made by on purely for the labor cup, as well as special rackets that head will be making for labor cup 2022. So there's great things to get, but you know, you remind me, uh, you know, we just have a great uh, lineup of sponsors. We've had some of them since the beginning who put their trust in the labor cup. Rolex, who's our founding sponsor, but Credit Suisse and Mercedes-Benz. And then I should also mention UPS, Moen Chandon, and this year for the first time, Cleveland Clinic and Swiss Tourism. So we have a, an incredible lineup of sponsors. Uh, one could say maybe the best of any tournament, and uh, we're really lucky to have them. They make a, a great difference for the tournament. Um, they get to, you know, each uses the Labor Cup in a unique way, whether it's to entertain their clients, uh, showcase their brand, um, or add to the experience of everyone at the tournament. So we're very lucky. Hey, well, based on that, it's probably a good idea that myself and the children are going to mainly be watching this uh, <laughs> on the television as... Um, this sounds like it could get expensive with all these limited editions. Now, we must come on to one final question, which is one that we ask everybody. And that is, if you could go for a drink with anyone alive or dead, who would it be and why? Okay, that's a good one. For me, uh, it would be Paul McCartney. Ah. And I love music. I love the Beatles. They started it all. Uh, to me, he is my greatest hero. Steve, do you know uh, that, that answer makes me smile because not so long ago, myself and the family were at, at Glastonbury Festival and we saw Paul McCartney. I mean, a legend, like in musical terms, you know, a legend like the legends we've been talking about in tennis. And uh, yeah, well, I'm sorry that you could not join us that time. But if it happens again, Steve, it would be great if you could join us, huh? Sounds good. Uh, 
that look i i've seen a replay of that show it looked fantastic amazing to be there amazing to chat as well thank you so much for your time all the very best with with the next chapter and the next chapters of the labor cup steve thanks rob this is fun that's all for today but thank you very much for listening and if you enjoyed that please do hit the subscribe or follow button so you keep up to date with new episodes. And we look forward to welcoming you back to my tennis journey very soon.